Hi, this is a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending Friday the 20th of November. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you'll hear us talk to Patrick Collins about their new fringe show, The New Nine, and uh, Digger came in for his Down and Dirty segment, telling us all about the best plants to create shade. He also told us what he thinks our personal plants would be, which is very nice. It was very nice. Also, I uh, continued my bushwalking and I climbed up Mount Oberon in Wilson's Prom, and Irving Majumda uh, came in as our Wednesday wisecracker. Uh, also, Jez and Mon compared appliances, and for feature creatures, Simon Hinckley introduces to the uh, nefarious life of pond skaters. Triple R. Patrick Collins is a Golden Gibbo and Melbourne Fringe Best Comedy nominee whose new Fringe show, The New Night, starts this Thursday. To tell us about it, the comedian joins us on the line now. Patrick, welcome to Breakfasters. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. What is The New Night? <laughs> This is uh, this has been a year-long process for me while I've been slowly going insane in my apartment. Uh, the new nine is basically what is it is the symbol that I am changing the number nine to. Mm. I'm basically I'm tired of the fact that the numbers six and nine are simply the same number upside down. We've only got ten glyphs we use for every number in the English language. So I'm going that that's it. We're changing the number nine. It's going to be a new symbol. No one's ever going to confuse six and nine anymore for as long as I live. It's quite quite a project. Yeah, it's been big. L- luckily, Melbourne Fringe has lined up quite well with the start of my revolutions. They've been quite lucky. <laughs> um, and why? How are you going to do it? Tell us about some of the components of the show. Well, look, basically the show is broken up into three sections, really. The first part is explaining exactly why this is necessary in the first place. That seems to be where most people have their doubts, that this that it's simply unnecessary to change the new nine. We've got plenty of methods already to differentiate between six and nine, and I don't quite believe that any of them really stand up to the tests of what, what really should be expected of a number. Uh, the second part is is actually introducing the symbol that I have come up with to be the new nine and convincing people that it is quite as brilliant as I actually believe it is. And the last section really is, that's the nitty gritty of it, which is how we're actually going to change the entire world and get everyone on board with this, which really (laughs) is why I need everyone to log on the first place. It's, it's, It's a good thing I've made this funny, but... I, that's really the part that I need people to follow along with. <laughs> we can't start this revolution if people just, you know, have a good time and then go back to their normal lives. I really need people to get on board and quick. Mm. <laughs> and is this a, is this an obsession that it, that is probably um, typical of your the way your brain works? Do you do you get obsessed over things and demand revolution? Like in a sort of I don't I don't know I also, I learned harmonica in lockdown and I haven't asked everyone else to get on board with that so <laughs> I, I don't know maybe it's just to do with the new nine it it can be hard to tell but I mean, are you are you a, has the harmonica going oh poorly yeah I re- really gave it a couple I I think I was more focused on the harmonica in the four weeks I was waiting for it to get shipped to me than I was in the three weeks <laughs> that I practiced it. <laughs> But I can play piano, man, so that's a start. <laughs> oh, great. That's all you need. That is good. It really is all I need. Um, and then, so the show's online. So mm. how, how do you, how do, I'm fascinated by the way different comics start shows. Yeah. Especially in this Zoom culture. Well, yeah, it has, it has been odd because um, the weirdest part is I've already done it. Like I've already done the show. 
it is a it's a pre-recorded show, which uh, yeah. I I feel like. I, I feel like at this point in lockdown, everyone's always felt a bit um, uh, like almost admitting that a show is pre-recorded is a bad thing. But the reality is, that's the one way I can promise you're not going to have any technical difficulties throughout the show. <laughs> it also means um, I know how good the show is now. I've seen it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to screw it up on the night that you come. So... <laughs> It really, it really is. It, it's got its own swings around about to the whole thing. I also know that I'm going to flub that one line every single time. <laughs> so, but what a, what a great look behind the curtain. Thank you. Yeah, oh, of course. I'm, I, I'm nothing if not honest with my audience. <laughs> um, and how are you looking back at yourself? It is, it is interesting. I, I, just, I just spent the last four nights captioning. Uh, the show as well because the whole um, the whole run will be subtitled that the whole thing but I've never had to subtitle my own work before so I just had to listen to myself at, at 30% speed and type out the entirety of the show <sighs> and yeah it, it is fascinating I'm watching Geraldine because it's so much <laughs> work oh, oh it was oh. a lot and listening to me as well, constantly <laughs> focusing on, ah, yep, that's when you're speaking very fast. Ah, this is the slow part where you're speaking slowly. Make it far easier for me. It does suddenly make little ad-libs throughout the show suddenly much more frustrating for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. Thank you for giving me extra work past me. Appreciate it. Uh, you also, you were, you had a show for the comedy festival, uh, which, which got cancelled, but this is a completely different show. So you've... You've just written a show during lockdown, essentially. Basically, yeah. Well, because uh, the show that I had written for Comedy Festival was um, a follow-up to my previous show, uh, which my previous show was called Mime Consultant, and this show was called Mime Sheriff. But I've, I quickly learned in lockdown that a mostly physical mime-based show wasn't quite going to work on the online forum in quite the way that I wanted. And so... Luckily, I had this revolution in my back pocket. So I was like, okay, well, I suppose the reality is a part of me just went, there really is no better time for me to try something new because yeah. it's it's such a new time. It's such a new era. I, it's, it's hard to know what the, what the comedy world even looks like right now. So I'm like, oh, well, let's try write something new, see how that all goes. <laughs> Have um, you been keeping up your mime skills or are you rusty? It's... Um, you know, once you've once you've learned to mime, it's difficult to shake oh, that from yourself. Yeah. I'm cursed with it eternally now. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could lose the skills if I tried. Yeah. What should we start with? The wall, or is it? What's the? Yeah. What's the? the, yeah, the en entry level mime. Skill. Entry level mime is integrity. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that really is the baseline for it all. Mm, it's quite tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the new nine. It's on at Fringe from seven p.m. Uh, November 19 through to 28. Uh, how many shows is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six across the whole thing. Yep. And uh, it's all online. You can get tickets via melbournefringe.com.au. Anything else you want to tell us? Look, uh, um, look, come for, come for the comedy. The comedy's all there, but I really, please don't be on the wrong side of history. You don't want to say that. That's right. Uh, it's The New Nine by Patrick Collins. Thanks very much, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me. Triple R. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. And you stop singing about dirt.
gardening guru Digger joins us on this fine Wednesday morning to get down and dirty. Hey, Digger. Good morning, or morning, listeners. Cracking morning. It's glorious. Mm. I was I mean, almost to start making school lunches early, but just couldn't. I'm just staring at the beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, what? Um, and as the as the weather uh, warms up, what should we have in mind? Well, yeah, thinking about we need to think about shade. Obviously, as time goes on, things are going to get hotter, and it takes some time to build shade. Um, yes, you can run out to the sausage shop and buy yourself a shade sale, but ideally, the long-term plan would be to get something in the ground and do it naturally because of all the other benefits of having you know, trees and climbers and whatever it is of having natural shade for cooling. So I sort of thought I'd, I'd run through a little list of some of my favourites, but it more comes down to you've got to think about your personal preference too because everyone has different ideas of the level of shade that they like. Have mm. you ever noticed that? Some people's like, oh, no, it's too cold here. It's too cold. I need some sun. And some people are like, it's not shady enough, you know. So different plants throw different shade. Thermostatically incompatible. <laughs> um, and so it's a good way to filter out the friends that you like to go outside with. <laughs> um, so the first one I thought about was um, mulberry, mainly because they're in fruit now and so they're just chucking out huge volumes of fruit. So a mulberry tree is quite large, so you've got to think about where you're going to put it. You need a decent size yard for it. Um, but they form this beautiful full umbrella. Like you could literally, an established mulberry, you could put a chair and table and, and have a wedding function underneath a mulberry. You could easily fit 40 or 50 people underneath them. Mm. Just magnificent, but it's very shady. We're talking full shade. If someone were to buy a mulberry now, though, how long would it take to prosper? So you could have a party of five people underneath <laughs> it in five years. Right. And then progressively like that. So literally within five to ten years, you could really have, you know, spend an afternoon underneath a mulberry. Right. They're, they're really fast. That's the thing about just a lot of deciduous trees because from the northern hemisphere and their growing season is so much shorter when they're down in the southern hemisphere and our weather's warmer, they just explode. So they, most, as a general rule, deciduous plants would grow faster than evergreens. Mm. So uh, just on the nursery rhyme, all around the mulberry bush, is it a bush or a tree? No, it's a bloody big tree, a dwarf <laughs> mulberry tree. You can get grafted ones, dwarf, but they'll get to seven metres tall. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So a fully grown mulberry tree would be about, this, about three or four storeys high by about <gasps> three or four storeys wide. Goodness. Wow, okay. So the lyrics are fake news. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or they were just a terrible horticulturalist. <laughs> um, their parents told them lies and they thought that was... <laughs> um, Another one is a fig. Most people have spent some time underneath a fig tree um, and they throw you know, really good shade too. So I'd say figs are probably better if you want to have a picnic rather than a sit-down event. You know, I think they're nice to lie down. You'd need to throw a blanket down because they're pretty messy underneath them. But, um, yeah, but definitely full shade. And then on the lighter side, for a bit of lighter shade, silver birches and all the birch family are nice because the leaves are a little bit smaller. They just let a little bit more light penetrate. Um, and they give it a beautiful rustling too. I like the sound of being underneath birch trees. Mm. Um, likewise with peppercorns. I reckon, you know, peppercorns, are the, you know, they get a bit of a bad rap, but... Um, I really like – I like the shade underneath the peppercorn. Um, it's just it's, – you don't need to wear sunnies, but you feel like you're in the shade and you don't feel like you're getting scorched. Yeah, right. Um, with Do you have a favourite fig tree? Do they exist uh, in public places? I mean, I've, I've seen them in oh, backyards. 
Yeah. Um, well, technically, um, I, anything hanging over the back fence down a laneway is a public tree, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where I've been getting my figs. It's just <laughs> they're so expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, considering the tree is pretty easy to grow, they're pretty forgiving. The yeah. only negative thing that a lot of people, you know, why maybe councils don't grow them is because the root system is so vigorous, they can cause a lot of a lot of damage. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I saw an article on the news yesterday of a you know a tree doing exactly that street tree doing that to some a of the cedar way. tree. Yes, we were talking about it earlier in West yeah. Melbourne. Um, you know, and there's a lot. We've got the same thing with our street trees here. We've got some um, cladicias which are doing the same thing to everyone's stormwater pipes in the street. So um, expect to see us on a current affair within times. <laughs> um, eucalyptus, obviously eucalyptus um, do throw a bit of shade, but they're actually not renowned for their shade. It's very, very dappled light. Um, and, you know, you got to really think about being underneath the eucalyptus tree. Now, there there are a lot of eucalypts that do drop limbs as part of their, you know, just natural growth habit. Some that don't. That kind of reminds me. I was thinking about you guys and what sort of I, – I thought maybe I'd try and guess what sort of tree or shade that you guys would like. Mm. Is this a stupid place to go? No, <laughs> no, it's, no, like, it's like, getting, like getting your palm red, but the plant yeah. version. <laughs> I was just thinking, Daniel, you would definitely be an ancient oak. You would like to sit underneath an ancient oak, do a bit of reading, you know, learn some new stuff. This is where I pick you. Um, Mon, obviously, you'd be on a patio with a grapevine over the top of it. And Jez, I just immediately, you were the first one that came to my mind. It would be sitting under a cooler bar tree. Mm. Oh, Um, yes, mate. With a a box of cooler bar as well. Just, it was just quintessential. Yeah, cooler <laughs> bars are fantastic shade. That's why you know they grow inland Australia, and obviously we used a lot to shade as you know Burke and Wills and whatever were making their way through, mm. um, because we're, cooler bars only grow where there's water. So if you find a cooler bar tree, you know that there's water underneath it. Mm. So there you go. But I just thought, yeah, Jess, cooler bar for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how Love satisfying! It. So mulberries, figs, peppercorns, eucalyptus—they're all throwing shade for us. They're all throwing shade. Um, if I've got another a little minute, just veggies. People are always talking about okay, veggies, veggies, veggies. It's too hot in Australia. Remember, in the afternoon, in summertime, for our your exotic vegetables. So, but you can use some of them for shade. Ideally, you'd put them underneath any tree. You know, as long as the morning sun and lunchtime sun hits them, they don't need any afternoon sun. But we can use things like corn or climbing beans or even if you had a made a frame and put a pumpkin or a climbing zucchini and made a tunnel. Oh, cool. After, after, later on today, Google pumpkin tunnels and it'll blow your mind. Huh. Uh, um, I'm going to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin tunnels. So essentially you want to create some sort of shade so that the hot afternoon sun doesn't hit your veggies. But if you're creating the shade with the pumpkin plant, will that affect... Yeah. The pumpkins, them, them no, growing? The pumpkin root system would be in the shady part. Mm, okay. so the way that most pumpkins freak out because they can't, they're hollow and they need to use a lot of water. So if they're in full shade, um, if the root system's in the shade, it won't dry out. Mm-hmm. And so it should be able to support the upper canopy and have the pumpkins just hanging down in the middle of your, your God, pumpkin. Is that, is that no H&S concern? <laughs> yeah. No, no, they hold their own weight. doesn't matter what it is. They will always hold their own weight. That's amazing. They're cool, aren't they, Jess? Are you looking at some? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Like lots of um, lanterns, pumpkin yeah. lanterns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, it's um, cool. So 
but we're going to have to wait years for for our shade to kick in. Yeah. So, well, it's something like a grape. Within under five years, you'll have a good amount of shade. Mm. Yeah. So um, I think the most important thing is really plan about the placement of it because mm. you really get one chance at this, yeah? So think about the areas mm. where you is, you know, ergonomically good for you to entertain or be underneath in the backyard or the front yard or wherever it might be mm. and be very strategic. Do your research about how the dimensions of the tree, what it's going to get, how big the root systems are because I always think if you're going to plant a tree or something, something that's going to provide shade, even a grape is going to be there for 100 years, yeah. It's going to be your legacy. It's a multi-generational exercise, you know, so it's a pretty important decision to make. And it's what too a wonderful... much pressure. No, no, take it on. Embrace it. Like, you know, maybe I'm just the only weirdo that looks around at all these big old trees and goes, I wonder who planted that. Someone yeah. planted that and I want to be that person. Mm. So take it on. This is your legacy. Be Go for it. Make up a little sign. Make sure everyone in 100 years knows who exactly who planted it. Oh, yeah. how inspiring. Um, Digger, thank you. I guess we'll let you get back to uh, staring out the window and neglecting your children. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get cracking on these sandwiches. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. I feel like I've gone through uh, a few stages this year, like stages of lockdown. Um, I know we're out of lockdown now, but um, things um, haven't changed much for me here in Venus Bay because it's still, you know, it's the same. Yeah, I'm still doing Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it feels like um, the first first part of lockdown was. Um, doing the DIY in the garden, getting out the Aga Panthers, building the lesbian pit. That took up most of my time. Then that was finished. Then we, uh, I moved on to birds. Birds are still around. They're still mm. there for sure, absolutely, but mm. um, less kind of focus every day on finding birds. Yeah. And now um, I've moved on to um, bushwalking, uh, as I've mm. mentioned before, doing so a bit of a combination of all three, really, with the bushwalking, you know, looking yeah. for birds, being outside, getting fit. Um, and I, because I've, you know, have been isolated and, you know, Melbourne was in lockdown, so quite often when I'd go for my bushwalks, no one else around. So... And I would, and there was a time where Kath and I would go together, but um, we walk, it's a different pace. And mm. I was quite happy to, uh, you know, she likes to walk ahead mm. and I'm I'm happy for that to to happen. So it just, we just worked out, maybe, maybe just go bushwalking on your own. I'm like, that's a good idea. Mm. <laughs> um, and it was a couple of weeks ago, I, um, was at Wilson's prom and I walked up um, Mount Bishop and I was coming back and I was telling um, Kath about it and then someone said, oh, would you go, would, where'd you go at like Mount Oberon? And I went, no, Mount Bishop. And I'm like, where's Mount Oberon? And, they, and Kath was like, you know that really big mountain across from you? Like that's Mount Oberon. You know, oh, that's, that's the real mountain. Yeah. It was like that's the, we used to go up. We used to go there all the time as a family. Like, you know, mum and dad loved Mount Oberon. We were always walking up there as kids. I was like, oh, I see. 
I see what you've done there. You've <laughs> done a C. little, yeah, you've done a little, oh, you think that's a mountain. Why don't you, why don't you, you feel really good about climbing Mount Bishop. Have a go at Mount Oberon. Why don't you? I'm like, okay, okay, no problem. So yesterday I went, I will. And also I did look up the, um, the, the, someone wrote a note about uh, Mount Bishop saying that it is not as high as Mount Oberon, but is more challenging. Oh, just okay. Oh, yeah. Just so thank you. Mm. Yeah. This so isn't I, a prom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In Wilson's prom. So I had that in, in, in my head thinking, well, I've conquered Mount Bishop. This is just a longer walk. Mm. I can do Mount Oberon. No problem. Yeah. And I, and so I, I drove up there yesterday and and I'm so used to, like, last time I was there, like, lockdown hadn't finished yet or it only did, but the, the ring of steel was still up. So there was getting a park, that sort of thing, absolutely no problem. But this, I drive up and there's cars all parked along the road. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's happening. Everybody's here. Um but it was fine. I like I. I think I just arrived at the right time where I just I pulled into a park that was like three spots from the start of the walking track, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "This is this." And there's a car in front of me that turned the other way. I'm like, "What are you doing, mate? There's a park right there. What are you? Getting? I don't know where where that Dumbo Park, but anyway, I've got the sweet park. <laughs> I feel like we're off to a bad start when you want to park close to the entrance for an epic walk. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> No, everybody wants a sweet yeah, park. No, sweet you're right. park, sweet park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love a sweet park. Um, so I get out and then just straight uphill, off we go. And I'm like a hundred meters in, going, oh no, this is worse. This is this is heaps worse. Yeah. Like at Mount Bishop, I think you start off a bit flat and then it and then it kicks off. Mm. But that it's just oh, straight away up we go. And I'm like, I don't. Oh, okay, no problem. Um, I just took a few few rest breaks and then, but I was walking and it was still, it wasn't that crowded at all. Like, I don't know where all these people in cars were, but I was, there was no one else around. So I'm kind of going at my own pace thinking, you know, I've done a few of these walks now. I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And then I hear chatter in the background and it's like two people uh, coming up behind, conversing as they talk. I'm like, okay, right. hey, mm-hmm. that's how that's how fit they were. They could talk and walk at the same time, like without, <laughs> like the amount of times I've walked up hills. And that's the other reason why Kath and I don't go together. It's like there's no there's no talking. You can't I can't chat while I'm walking uphill. Can't yeah. do it because I mean, it's all about the breathing. I just want to breathe. Um, thankfully. And also, it's kind of, you know, I previously felt on top of the world of like, oh, I'm getting so fit. But then I'm like, I'm not fit at all compared to these two young'uns walking past me while they're having a chat. So to um, disguise how unfit I was, um, thankfully, um, combination of the birds um, to bird life had sent me um, a thank you thing for doing the bird count and part of that was I've got a bird life hat so I had my bird life hat on <laughs> and then um and then I had my camera so I was like I just stood there and was pretending to, to look yeah. for birds and I was, oh, I'm, oh, I'm not I'm out of breath yeah, yeah I'm so inspired there's some 
There's some, oh, I'm sure there's a bird in this. Yeah, really got to catch this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, go on. But I, uh, I worked, that disguise worked, and then I, um, I walked. I did, I absolutely made it to the top. And, um, but as I was going up, the, the like, they just have stairs and rocks and stuff for the last little bit. And so I was coming up the stairs and then that couple that walked past me were coming back down mm. and I'd, I'd stopped to, to let them, I was, oh, the, the, there was a, I said, I'll oh, move to the side so I had to let them through. And they went, oh, no, 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 you, you oh. come up. And I was like, oh, don't make me. <laughs> So I had to kind of keep myself up and pass. Thanks, guys. Just <laughs> if someone wants you to play through, play through. That's yeah. what good advice. Yeah. But I think it was more once I was up there and then also once I was walking back down, I was like, absolutely, they made the right call in doing okay. that. It just wasn't safe. There wasn't enough room where I was standing. And it's it's easy to walk up and, you know, maintain balance than it is to walk down yeah. so i think it was about them not falling off the side of the mountain so yeah. mm. fair enough see some nice birds i did i saw some gangan cockatoos and it's <laughs> the first time i've seen them like you know this year so it was that was it was pretty exciting i saw a couple of new birds that i hadn't seen before so it was yeah yeah, yeah, right. Sweet. No one can take that away from you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I had a I had a similar experience when I was in Edinburgh when I was twenty, um, and I was staying with my cousin and his partner, and they were both personal trainers, which I should have realised. And um, they said, oh, "We'll go up Arthur's seat." You know, we'll go. We'll, um, and I just thought, I didn't think it was much of a walk. I'm like, "Oh, it's in the city centre. It's just like a small hill with a good view," um, and wore like the wrong. You know, just wore jeans and sort of boots, like not not. Hiking boots, not runners. Yeah, and they're like, are you, are you you're out to go. I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's do it, whatever. I'm I'm younger than you. This is fine. Um, got I don't know, probably like twenty centimeters up it, and one of them said, oh, "Do you have Do you have asthma?" <laughs> said, oh no. I said, oh no. Nah, nah. I said, oh maybe, and they said, no, you don't. And I said, no, I guess I don't. I don't know. And then eventually made it to the top, and I was like, oh wow, this is. This is beautiful. Really glad I made it. You know what an achievement. And then saw a guy <laughs> cycling up it, cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> oh, how very Scottish! Yeah. I was like, here I was praising myself as like a young, you know, twenty-year-old in fine health, making up to the top of a mountain in jeans, and he's just sucking on a dart on his bike. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that guy wins. Melbourne's own. Triple R. On another morning of no new cases in Victoria, it's an additional pleasure to welcome back to Breakfasts this week's Wednesday wisecracker, Irving Majumda. Hey, Irving. Hey, how are you guys going? Good. Thanks. Good. Excellent. Awesome. What, what's, what, what's your goss? Um, my goss is that I'm just having a little bit of a hard time like being a grown-up at the moment. I know every lame person says that, but <laughs> I feel like I'm actually struggling Um. Like one thing that doesn't help is that I've um, recently fallen through the cracks of our driving system um, in that I just rolled over to my full licence, but I'm driving around illegally with my L plates on. Um, because what? I don't have- Wait, but you, that, that, that trick only works if you have an instructor. Like someone yeah, in your no, passenger seat. Do you have a blow-up doll sitting in there or something to pretend? <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> Um, he looks like a driving instructor sometimes. He's got glasses, so um, <laughs> sort of 
sort of helps. Um, it's just because I don't want people to think I'm a normal driver when like technically I am, but I almost failed my driving test and only got it when I was um, like 25 or something really late. And then I've just not driven since then and rolled over like onto my P's, onto my full license. Um, so it's really tough. <laughs> I just want people to just think I'm normal. Yeah. Um, so you want people to be cautious around you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, it is illegal. I think it is it's absolutely illegal <laughs> to do that. Uh, but from what you I think fair enough, like, you know. Yes, safety of others. Mm. Um, do you, have you had any um, altercations? Like have you done something wrong on the road and other cars have, you know, given you grief? Not yet, but, uh, well, I sort of Because they lying. see the L plate. They mm. see the yeah. L plate and they, they're more That's forgiving. Exactly. Well, one thing did happen during lockdown. Um, me and my dad, he picked me up and we were kind of going back to visit my mum. Like, I just, she was alone. Uh, anyway, this is like harsh lockdown. It's like when it was all really eerie in the city and no one was out. Um, so I looked really sus because I was like driving at like 2k per hour through mm. the city in a like bad looking car. And the cops pulled us over. <gasps> and the most stressful part of that was just trying to like parallel park in front of the cops. Oh. Um, <laughs> Cause they're like, hurry up. And it took me like 10 minutes. Um, but they, I think they saw the L's and were like, all right, you're just clearly just trying to get home. Yeah. What about a baby on board, uh, sticker? Yeah, should actually, that's a way better option. <laughs> there was, I saw a, I saw a car on the road recently as well. Their license plate was, I shouldn't say it, but it was psych, like P-S-Y-C, then zero one. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you're announcing that you're psycho. <laughs> oh, I should also get that <laughs> So give it a wide berth. <laughs> I love that person. Um, baby on board is good. I feel like I look like I'm drunk when I'm it just It's just like so stilted. It just looks really unstable. So they probably like, don't have a baby on board. <laughs> it's dangerous. Um, but, yeah, that's been something that's been going on. And also um, – I've been getting so I had a really tragic story with my tax return this year. Um, right. Which is another adult. I was just this is like the epitome of why being an adult sucks. So I thought I was getting back four thousand five hundred dollars in my tax return. That was the estimate. Um, so I was like, sick. I'm going to start buying some skincare, like all this stuff. Uh, then I got my actual tax return back, and it was like one hundred dollars because they're like we automatically gave all that to your uni fees that are just a huge debt. No. And then I got another notice and my dad's like, look closely. And it was actually that I owe $500 to the ATO. Oh. I know. It's so shit. And then so now I'm like, okay. Then they're like, you've only got 40000 left to pay off. <laughs> I student debts. Oh. So it's like even if I save all my receipts and do all that boring stuff, the more tax return I get, the more it automatically goes to pay my debt, which is just like, why would I bother? <laughs> <laughs> there. Yeah, no, tax evasion, I think, is the way to go. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get fired from work if anyone's listening. Oh. <laughs> tax evasion, yeah, it's tough. Did you guys go okay this year? My estimate was very accurate, so that was good. I didn't think they could get it that wrong, telling you you get four grand and then basically nothing. Yeah, who was doing the estimate? Were you just going, I reckon I might get four and a half grand? <laughs> No, I've got like an accountant. Um, they just didn't realise that I had this huge uni debt that's ongoing. You um, used as... an accountant for that? Nah, sack them. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> well, they're like a family member, so I can't really. Say <laughs> <that>. mm. Well, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so, um, any other laws that you've been breaking? Uh, no, but I do have another thing that sucks about being an adult. Um, it's not really breaking a law. It, it was so like a lot of my friends, the ones that are like organized and um, well off, have been getting like just uh, into the property market and like buying stuff. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll have a look um, because I, was, I get really bad FOMO. So um, I start looking online and I thought I found something that was perfect. Um, and it just looked too good to be true, like near a train station, all of this stuff. And then I realised, like, everything on it was CGI. And um, and then I also uh, looked up the measurements because I'm like, how, you know, like, I'm sure it's fine. And it was, like, all these articles were, like, why your life's not over when your house is 30 square metres. Um, <laughs> I'm like, how to decorate your tiny home. <laughs> So, yeah, it's basically the measurements are like a tiny home and um, it's in my dreams. What do you mean CGI? <laughs> um, it's just, well, I was showing my friends and, like, that doesn't look real um, because it's like when you get an off-the-plan house and um, it's Oh, like, right. Yeah, like oh, we, we've cut out people enjoying the forecourt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'll need someone to help me when I'm actually looking, but that won't be for a while. Yeah. Do you ride with your friends? You, do you go to auctions with them? Do you, you know, do you no, live vicariously a bit? Uh, I've been getting them to send over all their, like, pictures um, and <laughs> planning what I'd put in the spaces and stuff. Um, but we were going to go just see some for, like, an open house. I was just like, yeah, I just want to be in the game but, like, not actually um, – this Saturday, but all the real estate agents are so keen when you like, as soon as you text them, they like hound you and they're like, are you financially ready, ready to buy? Um, so I feel like I'm wasting their time a bit when I like. No, not. let them, let them do it, mate. Don't worry about it. That's their job. Mm. They love it. I do on a Saturday, honestly. It's like 9 a.m. Saturday, be here and be financed. Um, but <laughs> I be be here and be financed. <laughs> Is it like you have money to spend? A few more tax returns, maybe. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Teething problems. Yeah. What was your degree? Um, I did an arts degree. I'm proud of it. Um, (laughs) I actually am. The worst one was, um, it's not worse, but I did a teaching degree after that. But I was really, I'm obviously not good with money because um, basically my parents were like, do something practical. And I was uh, being a brat and decided not to apply till the last day. And by that time, the CSP places had gone. So I ended up with this, like, other help scheme. So everyone else was paying, like, 12 grand for the degree and I paid, like, 40 or something. Is that why your debt's so high? <laughs> oh. Sorry. Hey, that's my biggest regret in life, but everything else has been good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm bringing up. Still, though, no new cases? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm grateful for the sunshine today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Irvi, thanks so much, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Triple R. Uh, very exciting thing happened in our house yesterday. <gasps> yeah. We got a new fridge. You get a fridge, you get a fridge. No, you don't, but I do. <laughs> it's not nothing. That is, is exciting. Yeah. We're pretty excited. It was um, this whole time we've been living here. We, the, the fridge we've obviously we've had we had a fridge 
um, but it was quite small and it was perfect for a, a holiday house, perfect for people coming to stay for a weekend. Oh, what a great fridge. This is lovely. Mm. When you're living here um, <clears throat> and you're living in a place where you, you can't get takeaway, yeah. then you, you're cooking and stuff every night. So it was just like, oh, man, it was so, so much. And it was like even on, on the weekend, I was trying to put something in the freezer and it took me like – many minutes and people going are you okay yes <laughs> just trying to rearrange and then just shutting no that's not going to work I'm mm. like oh, this is we're taking this out and so it was yeah it's very exciting now the the fridge we got it's so cool and it's so great I was trying to um <clears throat> I was getting my you know the it was the end of the day and I was still trying to um get my last bit of steps in so which means I'm just doing laps up and down but it was like I'd walk past the fridge every time and just be like oh <laughs> <It's> exciting <laughs> it was exciting don't mean here yeah. is there, is there a freezer the freezers at the top freezers down the bottom yeah oh. on a swap yeah yeah how's that going to change things I'm a big fan of freezer at the bottom mm-hmm. it has to be freezer at the bottom really yeah, because what do you what you get what do you where what are you using most the fridge, what's it what's it the the height that we are happy to you, freeze up the top no, that's yeah, a, that's, okay. that's a waste. Um, so an exciting thing happened to me as well not yesterday but you know recently. Do you know what mm. it was? What? I got a new fridge. Did you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Their fridges. <laughs> There's a lockdown so, treat. Have you, um, have you got a freezer at the top or freezer at the bottom? Freezer at the bottom. My first time yeah. and I love it. Yeah. So good. Savages. I don't understand. What about where the ice cream's up the top? You don't want to bend over for ice cream. Well, I'm not having ice cream every day, Daniel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. You do want to bend over for ice cream. Also, don't bend over for it. Squat for it. Yeah. Squat. Squat you're right. Yeah, you've got to squat yeah. for ice cream. <laughs> And you don't, you don't have to. Um, and also, it's just more easily accessible. It's there. You open it up. It's in the drawer. Yeah. And you just have to. It lifts right out. You don't have to. Oh. Yeah, the drawers are so good. Back amongst everything else. What about the shelf heights? Have you arranged them to your satisfaction? Yes. And you know what else is good about this fridge? Uh, and it's I had the same feature as my fridge back in back in Collingwood. It has a tray. Uh, like so, you've got a whole shelf. There, but a bit of it kind of slides back so you can fit a bottle in there. Oh, oh. that's that's good. That's yeah. that's smart. Real good, that's, isn't it? that's been you can tell that's the product of uh, user feedback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to so you can use it, you know, have it or just and there's still a bit of shelf, shelf room behind the bottle yeah. space. So it's yeah, have you got one of those, Mon? No, I don't have one of those. <laughs> oh. Okay. Who's, but, what, tell me another feature of your fridge. Oh, um, well, it's got a light, which is exciting for me because it was replacing a fridge. So we got our fridge when we first moved into our place as a quick fix. It was on Gumtree. It was 100 bucks, and, yes, it, and the guy was like, yeah, oh, it's, um, the, the fridge is fine, but the, some, some of the shelves are a bit cracked and the light doesn't work we're like whatever we're only going to have it till we get a new one and that was five years ago and so <laughs> so we've never had a fridge with a light um and it's just so good it, the first week we got it it's like want to want to turn all the lights up in the kitchen and open the fridge yeah <laughs> 
Oh, it's so good. This is how exciting um, our lives are at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Who, who, wins on the, who wins on the energy rating front? Oh, I don't know. Probably oh, Geraldine. <laughs> yeah, we did look into that. Yeah. We did. We got the highest um, rated uh, energy fridge to fit into the space that we had. So it's not – I think it's like four stars, but it's – we. Maybe only three and a half. Maybe I'm yeah. generous with four. <laughs> yeah. But we only had, there's only a certain amount of space. Uh, there's only a few fridges that of a certain height that we could, that we could get. Like, mm. so, but it fits in, fits in perfectly. And we're and, so happy. And do you think. And I haven't even got to the best two bits about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So another <laughs> great feature is um, it's got three doors. So. There's the fridge, there's the freezer down the bottom, and in the middle, fruit and veg drawer. Oh, an external door for that. Yeah. <gasps> so you don't have to open the fridge, then open a drawer looking for your fruit and veggies separate. Wow. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm. <laughs> or easily. I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and and saves, saves on energy as well. Yeah. God, its own door. Yeah. As opposed to the usual bucket thing yeah. that goes on. Yeah. Oh, Sep- and, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's also opaque usually, so you can never really tell from the height you're at what fruit and veg you have. Yeah. So but I, 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 we open the drawer, look down, and like, oh, there's the capsicum we were looking for. Mm. Nice. Yeah, it's great. And best thing about it, it has an ice machine. No. Oh, wow. It is. Money bags. That's a here. game changer. <laughs> yeah. It's an absolute game changer. Like I open the fridge and there's a little container. It's a, you know, we fill it up with water. Yeah. I don't even know how it works. I don't know how it works. I know in the fridge part, you put in some water and then like, and in the freezer, you open it up and there's a little like um, section and it has a soft mat. For when the ice falls down, doesn't make too much noise. Like it's got a padded bottom, yeah. and then uh, and then it's got a tiny little scoop. So you can do <gasps> the ice scoop. And I've, I've checked it this morning. It's chockers. Wow. <laughs> so much ice, <laughs> so much ice, which is great because one of um, Catherine's flaws is mm. that she doesn't feel refill the ice tray. One mm, of yeah. my one of my pet, like if you're gonna. If you're going to twist that thing around, let the ice fall out, you take that whole thing out and you fill it back up and you put it back in. Yeah. <laughs> and Kath wouldn't do that. She'd just twist it and then leave and it. And bugger off. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Filling an ice tray is one of my jobs and I feel like the machines just replace me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obsolescence. You'd enjoy it. You would enjoy <laughs> it. Like thinking, you know, oh, would you like a... Would you like a bit of uh, making someone like a, maybe a nice tea or something? Oh, would you like a bit of ice in, oh, and just scoop it out, put it in there yeah. all the time? In a tea? Think... Of all the drinks to choose. <laughs> We've got some peach iced tea corn here, okay. so <laughs> I'll, I'll make you one when you come over one day. Happy days. Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. From Melbourne Museum, Simon Hinckley is here to bring the world of bugs to breakfasters. Hey, Bugman. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, now, I've heard of pond scum. <laughs> pond skaters. 
Yeah, pond skaters and water striders. I thought we'd um, we hadn't really been into the water for a while. It's been very much land based. Uh, so you've probably all seen them. Basically, these little insects. When you go to like a, a pond or a dam or a slow moving water body, and you see these little insects on the top of the water surface, and they're like sort of moving along. In some parts of the world, they're called Jesus bugs, which is a great name because they can walk on water. And they what they do is their second and third pair of legs are much they're quite large and they're held well out from the body the front pair of legs are held in tight uh, so they actually look like they've got four legs so if you're standing at a water body and you see an insect that's sort of moving across the top of the water and it looks like it's got four legs it'll be a water strider or a pond skater and the reason that they're able to not fall into the water and drown is that they use the surface tension of the water to start with then by having their legs spread out from the body and very long, they can spread the weight of their body. And then also their legs are covered in um, water repellent hairs. So thousands and thousands of tiny, tiny hairs, which enables them to sort of stand on top of the water and move across the surface of the water. Should they happen to fall into the water, so say, for example, a, a rainstorm starts out of nowhere and they get hit by a droplet of water, it knocks them through the surface of the water, those tiny little water repellent hairs can actually help to trap little air bubbles and that then increases their buoyancy and brings them back up to the surface of the mm. water. So it's a, it's a great little strategy for resting on top of the water. What they then do is they are very good predators. So what they do is they're just sitting on top of the water, an insect or a spider falls into the water and obviously thrashes around. They can detect the ripples on the water. They zoom across they grab it with their front pair of legs, which has some spines on it, and then they stab it with their beak. So mm. they have like a um, – their mouth part's like a proboscis. So if you think um, aphids, they use it to suck sap. Bed bugs, they use it to suck blood. These things, they stab the insect or the spider. They inject some digest digestive enzymes. It starts to sort of break the body down, and that's sort of like the, they suck it up like a milkshake sort of thing. So they're uh, very efficient little predators. They're also quite cannibalistic. So if it's actually a really good strategy for if resources are tight and you've got too many water, uh, water striders or pond skaters, not enough food, you start to feed on each other, that encourages movement away from the water body. And not even your kids, in inverted commas, are safe. So if mum and dad are starting to eye you and, and food is getting scarce, it's probably a good time to fly to another water body, which is a great way for spreading the species and not having all the sort of breeding happening within one little population. So very, uh, very efficient, uh, energetic little predators. And there's about 37 or so species in Australia, but I, I wanted to ask, as a ballpark, how many species of insect roughly do you think live on the open ocean? <gasps> oh. Wait, so there are 37 species of pond skaters specifically? Yep, so okay. in Australia, within this family Geridae, there's about 37 species. So we don't have a lot in Australia. It's, they're more diverse in other parts of the world. But how many species of insect do you think actually live full-time on the surface of the ocean? Two. That's a brilliant guess, Geraldine. Like, I would, I was thinking there's so much diversity of insects in the, in, the, in the world. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of species. And yet on the open ocean, which is 70% of the world's surface, there's five species that live... Amazing. 0.0001% of the insect fauna have worked out how to live on the ocean surface. And they're mm. a group of pond skaters. Uh, well, they're not pond skaters if they're on the open ocean, but they're water striders. 
And the reason they've been able to do that is, as we've already discussed, the spreading of the, the body weight, their water repellent hairs are really, really good and they have a really good ability to jump. So if a fish comes up from below or a bird comes down from above, they can jump and move in the water. But um, it really sort of, I guess it blew my mind. I'd never thought about the lack of insect diversity in the oceans, which I suppose is not that surprising, but I'd, I'd never considered it before. Yeah. But that was a that was a brilliant guest, Geraldine. I think that was, you, you should get, get to go. You can go home early for that. That was a very good guest. Yeah. Right, see you later. <laughs> I'm against them. You know, are you oh. in or are you out? Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and also, I can't, you describe, they're cannibals that you described as energetic and efficient. Was... <laughs> well, um, actually, if I, I'm now going to make them sound even less attractive because now I want to sort of talk about their reproductive strategy, which is um, very problematic in this day and age. Not all of them. There's, a, there's a, one genus in particular. So basically what they do is they communicate with each other by tapping the water. So if you tap a certain number of times, it's like get back, if you don't get the get back tap back at you, it implies that it's um, the opposite gender. So you're like, oh, okay, now I'll send out a tap that says it's mating time, that sort of thing. There's one genus called Jerus, which uh, <laughs> use a, a fairly unappealing strategy. The, the males will often, when they get onto the female, after they've mated, they won't get off <laughs> because it's like, well, I don't want anybody else having a go. I want obviously my genes to be used. So what that means is that the poor female, if she's having to then skate around the pond with a useless deadweight male on her back, <laughs> so he will stay there for a while. There are some that are monogamous, so they will mate and the male will stay around her to sort of make sure no one else gets on, but without actually being on her. And then there are polygamous, polygamous males that will attempt to mate with as many females as they can. But the one that really took the cake for me is um, a species called Gerus gracilicornis. And what that does is the females have devised a way to shield their genitals because basically then they get to choose. If someone gets on, it's like, well, you're not good enough. You don't get to mate. So what the males have devised is when they get on, they start tapping the water. And what that does is it says to predators, oh, hey, I'm a, an insect stuck in the water. If a fish comes up from below or a bird comes down from above, well, if a fish comes or an insect comes up from below, it's the female that's going to get, get taken because he's on top. What a jerk. So he's like sending out a um, come and eat symbol, a signal, and if she doesn't make herself available, and he will then stop tapping. So it's this really amazing strategy where it's like you die or you let me breed. Oh. So it's um, obviously when we turn that into human behaviour, very, very unacceptable, but it's, it's an amazing strategy in the insect world that the fem they're, they're having like a war within the species to sort of go, you're not good enough, I'll shield my genitals, or you're going to shield your genitals, I'll tap the water and bring the predators in to eat you. So it's this sort of arms race of mating strategies. Shocking. It, wow. is, it is a bit shocking. <laughs> God, You've got chastity belts. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They really do. They have to basically protrude their genitals if they think the male is worthy. And he's not bothering with that, so it's just like, well, I'll make you fish food, so you, better, yeah. you may as well just do it. And the fish, are the fish underneath, going, I wish these pond skaters would bugger off because they're <laughs> all the tapping. Yeah, well, all the tapping, and also if they're getting anything that falls into the pond. I mean, a pond skater is just hanging out for things to fall in. They are. They they really are. And some of them will actually work um, when they're not eating each other. They will actually work in groups. Um, I was reading some reports call them like, you know, like a pack of wolves. They will actually move en masse if there's a large food source. And um, obviously if you've got more beaks stabbing the prey 
it's not going to get away. So they are very efficient predators. Where they do fall down, so to speak, is um, they're because they're on top of the water surface and because they're feeding on stuff that falls in, they're relatively impervious to water pollution. But where they are in a lot of trouble is anything that affects the water surface. So if you get some oils or anything like that coming into the water system that weakens that water surface tension, then they can't remain on top of the water surface. So they're actually um, they're quite good. They're quite strong against pollution, but they're also quite vulnerable to pollution at the same time. So a really interesting little group. And anything like if you go to any water body in Melbourne, you know, there's a good chance you'll see them. So the next time you see them or the next time you're standing at a water body, look down and see if you can see water skaters or water striders or pond skaters. Mm. Um, hopefully you're not going to see we don't actually have that particularly unpleasant species in Australia that's um, harassing the, the poor females. They what will actually... The, um, sorry, what about Julie? the piggybacking one? The piggybacking one, we we do have that genus in Australia. I, I think we do have... I'm not sure if we have the piggybacking one, but we certainly have some examples of that genus. Um, and it's interesting because the females, they will also, when the male first gets on, they will try like a backward somersault. So they'll try to sort of dislodge him. If he gets mm. to get on, then she's like, well, there's no point expending energy. But it's interesting in the sense that I guess if we have time, if we can watch that, it'll be... What does she come up with next? You know, maybe she comes up with something because it's, it seems to be like active coevolution to sort of almost like thwart each other or to make sure that it's the best mate selection. So mm. if, if we're here in X number of years and we look at this species again, the female may have come up with some ingenious thing to make him at risk of predation or, mm. you know, maybe she's got some amazing new strategy to, to spice thwart things up. the losers. Mm. Yeah. So, To spice things up. In the water. Exactly, mm. exactly. Keep things interesting. Mm. Well, I do think, you know, the risk of death is, is getting a bit too interesting, but that's what they've decided <laughs> to go with. Um, and speaking of poor behaviour and uh, the the museum's back open, punters are back. <laughs> the museum is back open. Um, I was there yesterday and there were people inside, which was very novel. Uh, so, yes, the museum is open. Uh, ScienceWorks, Immigration Museum and Melbourne Museum. It's ticketed entry just to keep numbers safe so basically if you want to go uh, everything's sparkling there's distancing sanitizer jump online if you want to book a ticket and um come on down to the museum it's all good all right yeah. holiday's over for you the crowd's back <laughs> exactly daniel <laughs> uh bugman and pond skaters thanks heaps mate thanks everybody thanks bugman independently yours triple r 102.7 You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of The Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.